0: Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. Okay. Well, thank you, Michonne, for taking us back in time. I, uh... I'm I'm a back in time, I'm a retro worshipper. I'm not into all this newfangled worship, but I manage. Michonne does a great job of worship. I mean, there's just there's no, it is you know, but you know, I, I love the, I've shared with you, Michonne, that your type of worship isn't like my personal favorite thing. We've I've told you that to your face in a meeting we were in, but, but I still can worship. You know what I mean? that That's what, and that's what, I, I feel sorry for people who leave a church because they don't like the way they worship over there. Well, you're missing out on a whole lot of stuff. And and really, if you can't worship, I could worship at an ACDC concert, I think. If, you know what I mean? <laughs> because I can worship. I know my Jesus and, well, you know, and so, but but I we, I love to go back. I love to, to retro ourselves. So that, that was fun. Well, we are we are we are we're approaching get ready cuz this is chapter 17 and chapter 18 this is where i believe and this is just this isn't like some fancy scholar thing but as i read the revelation this is where everybody gets there and they put on the brakes and they're like forget it <laughs> i cannot understand this so i'm just i just this revelation thing is not for me okay well i've got news for you God said in chapter 1 that it was for us to hear and understand and get to understand. But 17 and 18 are difficult. Um, This is where, uh, you know, we're taking a a, a literal look at the Revelation. So we've been very much going with uh, when he says locusts, those are what? Locusts, right? We're not pretending they're helicopters. And you know what I mean? Now, You know what? We might be wrong. Maybe they are. I don't know. But it doesn't make sense, really, if you go... Uh, literal take a literal interpretation, but there are areas of this that are not necessarily literal, and we've we've talked about a few of those uh, down down as we've gone through this. S- chapter seventeen is very much not literal in in the sense that there's not a big whore somewhere riding a dragon, okay. That's not, <laughs> we're not going to see a literal whore riding a dragon. Sorry if there's any children in here, they should be somewhere else tonight because we're going to use that W word a whole lot of times probably because King James said we're supposed to. Um, but that is, you know, and so it's, it's not, you know, there were times when John, remember when John says he saw the seven-headed beast, and we talked about it's not a beast with seven heads that represents The Antichrist or that represents, these things represent different things. This is, again, one of those representations. So let's look at chapter 17 um, and just get a, anything you've ever thought about, you know, like in the last 20 years of your entire life, forget it and be a clean slate tonight because this is, this can get tough, okay? All right, here we go. One of the seven angels who had poured out the seven bowls came over and spoke to me. Come with me and I will show you the judgment that is going to come in the great prostitute who rules over many waters. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her and the people who belong to this world have been made drunk by the wine of her immorality. So the angel took me in the spirit into the wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that had seven heads and ten horns and blasphemies against God were written all over it. The woman wore purple and scarlet clothing and beautiful jewelry made of gold and precious gems and pearls in her hand. uh, She held gold goblets full of obscenities and the impurities of her immorality. A mysterious name was written on her forehead, Babylon the Great, mother of all prostitutes and obscenities of the world. Now, we're we're reading from the New New Living Translation, which cleans up that language a little bit. Okay, she's the mother of all prostitutes. Um, So that's a little bit better. I could see that she was drunk, drunk with the blood of God's holy people who were witnesses for Jesus. I stared at her in complete amazement. Okay, so here's John is taken by this. Remember, he says one of the seven angels, which we found we found out like by looking through it that they're not really angels. It was actually a redeemed person. You know, it's one of us. You know, uh, it's actually a redeemed person that he's talking to here, who says to him, who shows him this this vision of this. Prostitute on a dragon, okay, and um, there is tons and tons and tons of speculation about who this prostitute does represent. Now, I have I made a comment a few weeks ago. I think we were talking, like, going at looking or talking about the fact that we were going to talk about this. That I don't believe that this that that this prostitute that they're talking about is the Catholic Church, okay? Which a lot of people have said over the years it's the Catholic Church. As I studied stuff this week, I'm not so sure. But I'm not talking about St. Cyril and Methodius over in Fairchance, okay? We're not talking about the Catholic Church as we know it today, okay? So if it has anything to do with the Catholic Church, I'll, I'll explain to you why I think it could have something to do with them. It's only because of the power and influence that the Catholic Church has in the world and how attractive that would be to an Antichrist, okay, to have that kind of control. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in just a few minutes. So, But basically, when it comes down to it, this prostitute represents a religion or a religious conglomeration, okay? We're talking about, when we talk about, it says that on her head is written, basically, and one of the, most of the translations will say, it says Mystery Babylon is written on her head. And that's why this is what we call, this is what we call Mystery Babylon, okay? This is part of what's been called for centuries the, uh, mis, the, the, uh, the riddle of the revelation. This is the hard part to figure out and understand. And the truth is, we won't really understand it until it's all happening, this part of it, you know, 100%. So understand that any of my opinions that I share tonight, um, first of all, aren't my opinions. I just regurgitate other people's opinions, to be honest with you. I do some research, and then I, you know, and I kind of put stuff together. I see myself as not a scholar, but I'm a putter together of other people's knowledge, and then I regurgitate it. So... That's kind of what, that's really what teaching is. But anyway, sorry teachers, but how many of y'all invented your curriculum, you know. Anyway, <clears throat> so, um, and this is happening between the seventh bowl and the destruction of Babylon. And when I say Babylon, in this sense, I have a little quote, air quote there around it. It's because 17, chapter 17 is the destruction of religious Babylon or mystery Babylon. Chapter 18 is the destruction of physical or literal Babylon, okay? We're talking about the, the the city of Babylon, okay? So there are two different Babylons that we're looking at here. And this one is called Mystery Babylon. This is the religious Babylon. That's who this prostitute that's riding the dragon, okay? So she is riding. Now, the dragon represents this antichrist. So she's riding this antichrist. In other words, she's being supported by this antichrist. Um, She she probably thinks that she's telling this antichrist what to do, but you know, no, that's not really what's happening is what we're going to find out. Because he does not (laughs) love her. People have said that um, it's like the Antichrist loves the loves Babylon, like Jesus loves the church. He does not love her; he is using her, and he loves her power. He loves to see he loves that control that she has, and that influence, and that power over the religions of the world and the religious religiosity of the world. Okay, so um, I do believe that this this mystery woman. She represents the religious system of the city of Babylon, but it's really not of the city of Babylon. It's just the religious system that the Antichrist has bolstered, okay, and has given tons and tons of wealth to and found, you know, and they, it started out pretty rich anyway, probably. But um, he, then the angel says to him, let me see, where am I at here? It's a wealth, okay, we'll talk about it. It's a wealthy and a powerful religion, obviously. She's wearing scarlet, she's got gold goblets, she's got, but obviously she has not done great things for Christians and for Jews. She's got their blood in her goblets, and she's drunk on it, okay? So she she has found pleasure in the death of Christians and Jews throughout the centuries. That's kind of what it comes down to here. That is what makes it not so much like the Catholic Church, okay? Because the Catholic Church, like it or not, it's a Christian denomination, folks. They're Christians, okay? They're Christ followers. Now, they follow their pope, and they follow, you know, they do all these other things too, okay? They do many mysterious things, and that's why they get equated much, very often, with this mystery Babylon, um, but what, what's confusing, okay, when you think about it, is that when we look at who the Antichrist is, and we talked about he comes from Syria, Lebanon, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, or Pakistan. Uh, we, we know that from when Daniel describes that he comes from the, the kingdom that Alexander the Great ruled over. Okay, so that's where he comes from. So it's not Joe Biden. It's not. Could be Barack Obama, but it's not okay, um, because we don't really know where Barack Obama was born anyway. But um, that's my personal opinion, not an opinion of Faith Assembly of God or the Assemblies of God in any way. Um, but we, you know, we have we 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 have to understand that he's coming from one of those areas. Now, in those areas, what is the predominant religion? It's Islam. Okay, it's Islam. Um, they are Muslim. It's the Muslim faith. The faith of his fathers will be Islam. All right. So we have to understand he's. It's not going to be a practicing Roman Catholic that becomes the Antichrist. The Antichrist is not going to be a pope. Okay. That you know those popes. Most. I mean, aside from all the stuff you see on TV about them. Okay. I've watched a lot of those shows too, and and they've done horrible things. They were humans and all that stuff, and awful things. You know what I mean? And I'm not big on having a papal father over your religion and everything, but they, you know, it's not going to be a pope that becomes the Antichrist, okay? Because it's just not. It doesn't fit, because you're not going to have someone who's from is from the is from Islam give up their religion and become a Catholic. And work their way up through the ranks and become the Pope. It just doesn't work that way. Okay, so, however, we know that it's called Mystic Babylon, Mystery Babylon. So it has obviously its headquarters will be Babylon. And that's another reason that people say, well, it can't be the Holy Roman Catholic Church because their headquarters is in Rome and he's not gonna, that's not Babylon because we know that it's. Why would she be called Mystery of Babylon? Well, if you trace the history of the Catholic Church, you will find that they have a lot to do with old Babylon, okay? There are a lot, there are, I was surprised. I was real surprised, okay? Um, and I, I researched a little bit, and I think it's true, some of this stuff, okay? Some of the original pontiffs of the Catholic Church came from Babylon, okay? And there was a real mixture of Babylonian cult worship That came into this early formation of the Roman Catholic Church. So, and that's where we get, and that is really where you get a lot of their mysticism in the Catholic Church. The Eucharist, the bread, they say becomes the body of Christ. They say that the wine that they drink becomes the blood of Jesus. I mean, that's drilled into you. I know, I went through it. It's drilled into you. These, it actually happens. It's, Mystical, all of their mystical things and eschatologies and different things that are involved, a lot of that comes from, guess where? Babylon. It comes from the cults and the religion that was going on in the city of Babylon in, throughout those beginning, cent- the, the early centuries. I believe, and this is just my personal belief, that the, the, Rome, the Catholic Church, or more likely what it will be considered is the Roman Church at this point, will be part of this mystic Babylon. Because just if we are looking at it from today's perspective, if they do fit the bill as being part of it, it's not like what they are today. Understand this. The Antichrist is going to warp Islam, and he's going to warp, warp Christianity and, and these areas of, Catholic, of Catholicism, these mystical sides of Christianity, Okay, and they, he warps this, and he makes it into something that just fits his bill and drives his coffers, you know, he's making money on it, he's controlling people with it, he's manipulating, okay? It will be a warped combination, I believe, of Islam and Catholicism or the Roman church. I hate to call it Catholicism because it sounds like I'm bashing Catholics, and I'm, I'm not meant to do that because... It's not the Catholic Church as we know it, okay? And if we think they're mystical and out there sometimes now, when he gets hold of it, things are gonna get really crazy. Remember, Christians, the the born-again Christians are gone at this period, okay? We're gone. So we're left with this, um, probably the majority of the Christians on earth at this time Will be Catholics because they don 't believe in salvation by faith, and they 've been doing all their works and all their you know all these things that are going to get them to heaven and then suddenly the saved people are gone, and they didn 't get to go and now they 've got to make you know, do something with this religion and with all this money and when you know the Antichrist comes along, he 's got control of Islam at this point they can get together he gets their money they get his money they make this huge religion and i believe that is mystic babylon mystery babylon so i don't just believe this this is what many people believe okay so it's not as if the catholic church that we know of today is uh this is the this prostitute okay so Uh, Then he says, why are you so amazed? I tell you the mystery of this woman and of the beast and seven heads and ten horns on which she sits. The beast you saw was once alive. Oh, see, that's where it starts getting crazy. Now, listen, was once alive but isn't now, and and yet he will soon come up out of the bottomless pit and go to eternal destruction. And the people who belong to this world, whose names were not written in the book of life before the world was made, will be amazed at the reappearance of this beast who had died. So this sounds crazy. He was alive, then he's not, he's coming back. What he's talking about here and referring to here is that, remember we talked about that spirit that came out of the Euphrates? Do you remember the spirit that's in the Euphrates? It says he's in there now. And he comes up out of the Euphrates, okay? And it says that he is the spirit, basically that spirit the spirit that was behind Alexander the Great's uh, conquests. Now, he's no, he, is, he is no longer in control because Alexander the Great is not in control. In John's day, it was the Roman Empire, which was the next one after the Greek Empire, Okay, which was Alexander the Great's empire. So he's saying to John, this is the spirit that once was the Greek one, isn't now, because he's not, because now we're under the Roman spirit in John's day. The Romans are the ones that are persecuting the Jews. Now we're under them, but he's coming back, is what he's telling John. And so this is where we see that congruity here when we look at Daniel as to where, where this is coming from, okay? It's coming, it's the same spirit that motivated and spurred on and led Alexander the Great into his conquest that will become will that will be aiding and uh, aiding the antichrist. He's a that's a spirit. The antichrist is a man. Remember, so we're talking about we're not talking about the antichrist is going to come up out of this bottomless pit, but these spirits are kept in this bottomless pit. Okay, we'll talk about what that is in just a, a little bit. Are you with me? Because that's see, this is where it starts to get crazy. It's like. Once was, isn't anymore, is gonna be again. And remember, we talked about the fact that they talked about one of those heads that had died, and everybody thought it was gone, and now it's coming back again. And that's exactly what it's, this is just another illustration of that same thing. All right, uh, this calls for a mind with understanding. Well, we could all go home right now, right? <clears throat> the seven heads of the beast represent the seven hills where the woman, woman rules. They, are, they, are pre, they represent seven kings, okay? Remember the seven, seven kingdoms that have conquered or have persecuted Israel over the years, okay? We talked about it. I think we only came up with six last week, but I forgot about, I forgot one. Anyway, so we're talking about those seven. I'm not gonna go through those again. They're on one of the other pages of your notes, but what it's saying here is, and then he says five of these are already gone, right? Where he says five kings have already fallen. The sixth now reigns. The seventh is yet to come, but his reign will be brief, okay? So we're saying five of those have already fallen. Egypt, Assyria, Egypt, Assyria, Babylonia, Babylonia or Babylon. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, and Greece. And we're looking at John's time. They have already come. Those five have come and gone. The sixth one now reigns. The Roman Empire, okay, is reigning now, it says. For these kings have have already fallen. The sixth now reigns. The seventh is yet to come, but his reign will be brief. The seventh is revised Rome, or those 10 Nations that get together okay that the, under the Antichrist, okay, and they 're ruling now those ten nations will are that we call revised Rome they 're not way over there in Alexander the Greek's territory, these are more around the Roman Empire, okay these ten nations. When the European Union was coming together, everybody was like, oh, here it comes. This is them 10. They're going to get together. And then there was 11 of them. That just ruined the whole thing, you know. But now England's dropped out, so now we're back to 10. You know, but it's not, that's it's not, that is a different empire, okay. And that was not an empire that crushed the Jews, okay. The English Empire, the British Empire was never a a killer of the Jews. They were never you know, again, they not that they loved the Jews they, or they loved Israel, but they were never, you know, there was never an issue with them. So we've got 10 nations that will come together under the Antichrist. Their reign will be brief, okay? They will only have three and a half years. That's all they're gonna get is three and a half years. So they will be, but this is not, this is the, they're talking about they're the first three and a half years of the tribulation. At The next, at the three and a half year point, he takes over and does away with those 10 nations and says, I am God. And remember, he has his statue set up. Uh, Did we do that already? Yeah, he has a statue set up and the, the false prophet gives the statue the power to speak and all these things. So at that point, it becomes not the seventh, but that becomes the eighth. So for three and a half years, the Antichrist will rule and reign and persecute Jerusalem. Remember the first three and a half years, he has a tr- he has a, a treaty with them. He lets them go back to having their sacrifices, has their temple built and all that stuff going on first three and a half years, so he's not persecuting them. Now that Roman empire around them, that 10, U, ten, ten, ten nations, they are gonna be controlling much of what goes on in Israel at that time. So they will be the seventh head. And then the Antichrist will be the eighth. Am I back? Or am I too far ahead? God, they represent the seven kings. Yeah, so what he is seeing is, what he's seeing there is that Roman, Roman uh, revised Roman empire that comes back. He's able to see that one. He doesn't see the eighth one yet because he hasn't seen that part of it. You know, so he hasn't seen that. The scarlet beast that was, but is no longer, is the eighth king. Okay, he is like the other seven and he too is headed for destruction. The 10 horns on the beast, okay, we've talked about those things and the together, they will go to war against the lamb, but the lamb will defeat them. Uh, then the angel said to me, verse 15, the waters where the prostitute is ruling represent masses of people of every language. I don't even know where I am on this thing up here. Okay, okay, anyway, we're not there. Um, oh yeah, I do wanna say this. Where does it say? The 10 horns are the 10 kings, verse 12. The ten kings who have not yet risen, remember we talked, they're going to get together. Okay, and so what he's seeing is those ten kingdoms aren't in power yet. They will be appointed to their kingdoms for one brief moment to reign with the beast. They will all agree to give him their power and authority. Together they will go to war against the lamb. Okay, see, these, this is what happens. They, are, they're all, they all have their kings, and then all of a sudden, halfway through the, the tribulation, they're going to give him all their power and authority. And that's when he gets his kingdom, okay, what he thinks is going to be his kingdom. All right. For the God who put a plan in their minds, God will carry out. This woman you saw in your vision represents the great city that rules over the kings of the world. So here in chapter 17, it gets, it can get really, really confusing, okay? Um, I don't know. Looking at that chapter, because I've done the whole thing. Verse nine, the, the ones that have come before, the the uh these become one, the eighth, the eighth head is the ten European unions halfway through, and they get rid of it, and the wait. Yeah, halfway through they be okay. So the Antichrist kingdom is the eighth kingdom. Okay. So are you with me on how these king, how these kingdoms all Antichrist is number eight, okay. There are ten kingdoms. Oh no! What are you saying? Okay, there's two more. There's but these are good ones. There's the millennial kingdom, which is the next one after the Antichrist. That's the Millennial Kingdom. We'll talk about that next week. And then there's the kingdom of God, which we'll talk about next week also. Okay, so there are actually ten kingdoms throughout history um, that, that are that are discussed here in the revelation. Um so um Seventeen, I think. Did I get all the way through that? Where is it? Standing five cream while this pit and go eternal destruction and the people who belong in this world. I swear I've got that out of order somewhere in my notes. Okay, now I want to take you to Zechariah chapter five. What? What? do mess this all up, right? Zechariah chapter five. <clears throat> Revelation, the riddle continued, the seven mountains, we talked about that, the eighth kingdom, um, one hour of power. Basically, the Antichrist has given all authority to the ten kingdoms. It's going to be a very short time. Listen, when he's given that authority, do you believe that Satan knows he only has three and a half years left? He knows. <laughs> this plan is in motion, okay? He knows, but he's deluded, and he thinks he's going to be able to do something about it, okay? Okay? But at that point, he knows he's only got three and a half years left. So he knows that it's gonna be a short reign. Um da, da, da. So let's move to chapter 18. Is that are we okay on that? Understanding it's it's hard to understand. It's not all those. Numbers in there and all those weird words that we don't like to use in front of children and all that stuff. But that's basically what it comes down to. This is chapter 17 is the religious system that the Antichrist has had has had in power. Um, well, let me find it here. Where is it? Okay. All right. Oh, Zechariah chapter 5, okay? Um, I'm gonna start with verse, is it chapter, yeah, chapter 5, verse 5. Then the angel who was walking with me came forward and said, look up and see what's coming. What is it, I ask? It's a basket for measuring grain or an ephah, E-P-H-A-H, it's called an ephah in the King James. It's filled with the sins of everyone throughout the land and the heavy lead cover, it's a basket with a heavy lead cover, was lifted and there was a woman sitting inside. The angel said, the woman's name is Wickedness and he pushed her back into the basket and closed the heavy lid again. Then I looked up and saw two women flying toward us gliding on the wind. They had wings like a stork and they picked up the basket and flew into the sky. Where are they taking the basket, I asked the angel. He replied, to the land of Shinar is what it says in the uh, King James and some of the other versions. But it actually, whenever you see Shinar, S-H-I-N-A-R, it means Babylon. He's taking her to Babylon. They're taking her to Babylon where they will build a temple for the basket. And when the temple is ready, they will set the basket there on its pedestal. So even, you know, Zechariah, we see these Old Testament prophecies. Um, I've been reading the Old Testament. Minor prophets, as if there ever was a minor prophet, but you understand what I'm talking about. I've been reading those. There is so much of revelation that is supported by those minor prophets. This is the woman. He's got, they've, where are you taking her? She's sin. She's wickedness. She's got all the sins of the world. We're, we're taking her, where are you taking her? To Babylon, <laughs> where we're going to build a temple for her. They're going to build a temple for her. So this is what we, this is, this is that mystery Babylon. This is that Babylon religious. Um, the, the religious side of Babylon. Verse eight, chapter 18. After all this, I saw another angel coming down. Great authority and the earth grew uh, grew bright in his splendor. He gave a mighty shout. Babylon has fallen. The great city has fallen. She has become a home for demons. She is, she is a hideout for every foul spirit, a hideout for every foul vulture and every foul and dreadful animal. For all the nations have fallen because of the wine of her her passionate immorality. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her. Because of her, her desires for extravagant luxury, the merchants of the world have grown rich. So now what we see is we're seeing a shift from the religious Babylon that we're talking about in chapter 17. Now we're moving to the merchants and the kings. Okay, chapter 18, we're going to the literal here. We're going to these, remember, mystery Babylon is a, a, a spiritual thing, or not a spiritual, but a symbolic thing, okay? Now we're moving to a literal Babylon. Um, now, let me see where I'm going here with this. <clears throat> this is all part, this destruction of the city of Babylon is a part of the seventh bowl judgment, Okay. That last seventh bowl judgment. Remember, there's a huge earthquake. It says that one-tenth of Jerusalem is destroyed in this earthquake. Remember, God's not going to destroy all of Jerusalem, okay? But he does allow one-tenth of it to be destroyed. 7,000 Jews will die in that earthquake. Um, with this earthquake, the two, the two witnesses are raptured. Remember, that happens at the very end. So we're at the very end of this seven years here when we see this happening, okay? Um, it says, uh, so this is, this is now we're talking about political or literal Babylon here. Um, then I heard another voice calling from heaven, come away from her. My people do not take part in her sins or you'll be punished with her for her sins are piled as high as heaven and God remembers her evil deeds due to her as she has done to others, double her penalty for all for all her evil deeds she brewed a cup of terror for others so brew twice as much for her she glorified herself and lived in luxury so match it now with torment and sorrow i'm sorry we're not talking about literal babylon yet we're we're, we're still talking about mystery babylon here okay but what we're what we're looking at is how the kings and the and the merchants and all of that used this horror okay and committed adultery with her and and got in a made alliances with her and they she was a much of their income okay was run through this manipulation that the antichrist is going to use with mystery babylon okay the manipulation and the hold that he's going to have On the people over this. And so these kings, basically, the merchants have all fallen for it, okay, over the years. And this one, this bright one from heaven, guess who that probably is, is saying, Come away from this. Come away. It's, you know, he's trying to get them to come away. She glorified herself, lived in luxury, so match it now with torment and sorrow. Therefore, these plagues will overtake her in a single day, death and mourning and famine. She'll be completely consumed by fire, for the Lord God who judges her is mighty. Verse 9, here we go. And the kings of the world who committed adultery with her and enjoyed her great luxury will mourn for her as they see the smoke rising from her charred remains. They will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. They'll cry out, how terrible, how terrible for you, O Babylon, you great city. In a single moment, God's judgment came on you. The merchants of the world will weep and mourn for her, for there is no one left to buy their goods. When this, when this religious system ha- comes to an end, and this earthquake comes that destroys Babylon, the merchants of the world will weep and mourn. Okay, this is, what, this is what gets to the heart of people who are still alive in this time, you know? This is what gets them. Oh, there goes all our money. They weep and mourn. They're not weeping and mourning because of all the people that have died. They're weeping and mourning because now this church, this, this religion has fallen Okay, the religion fell. Now the city's falling because of this great earthquake, Babylon is falling. And so this is what they're weeping and they're mourning about. Um, Okay, and where, where he says Babylon is fallen, there are people who, the word Babylon means confusion. Remember the Tower of Babel? was built, okay, basically Babylon is where the Tower of Babel was going up, okay, it's where it all comes back to that same place, and Babel means, Babylon actually means confusion, so there are people, there are that are uh, scholars out there who say that this means that all confusion will be gone at this point, all confusion will be gone, and it just can't, if that's the case then it doesn't fit with, any, then all the rest of the Bible doesn't make any sense, okay, if that's the case. So don't, don't fall for that one. It doesn't mean that confusion will be gone. No one would weep and mourn if confusion were removed from the earth. Huh? How many of you would be real upset if everything started making sense to you next week? You know, you're not going to weep and mourn because, oh, I really loved it when I couldn't figure out how I was going to do this, couldn't figure that when I felt stupid. You know, we we don't, they're not going to weep and mourn over that kind of stuff. Um, let's see, she, and then it talks about all the, the great things that they, that she supported in that, this Babylon, the religious Babylon and the literal Babylon were just, basically at this point, um, and what's, what's, remember, the Jews lost the temple remember he, he, the antichrist sets himself up all of a sudden in Jerusalem he actually will move his headquarters to Jerusalem to the temple that's his big you know how we have washington dc as our national capital god save us and but we also have a, do we have a financial capital in america anybody anyone be brave it ain't Smithfield. New York City is our financial capital. And that is kind of what that's kind of how I how I get this in my head, okay? He will move his actual capital to the temple, to Jerusalem, but his financial capital capital is still going to be over in Babylon. That's where it's gonna be a huge, crazy big city. Do y'all know that when they built Dubai, y'all have heard of Dubai? This big, amazing city over there in the Middle East, okay, Dubai. It's huge. It came, it was like, it was dust, you know, and then they built this huge city. It was kind of, it was better than Las Vegas when it was built, you know, out there in the middle of a desert. But this Dubai was built, and it's huge and everything. There were people who, when they were building it, said, we're practicing for Babylon. Because that's how they will build Babylon. It will come up that quickly because they're practicing. They know how to build these buildings, and how to make this stuff happen. They've got buildings in Dubai that shouldn't be standing. It's like, how? but they have engineers that can do these things, and they know know what they're doing. They're going to build a huge city in Babylon, okay? And then it will, in one hour, the Word of God says, come crashing down, and that's with this great earthquake, okay? Shortly following the religious, when the religion falls apart, okay, and basically it will fall apart because the Antichrist wants it to fall apart because he doesn't love it, okay? He's just using it as it falls apart and then the city falls apart and that's what we're seeing is that it, the city gets destroyed. Um, verse 14, the fancy things you love so much are gone. They cry, we love so much are gone. All your luxuries and splendors are gone forever, never to be yours again. They're talking about Babylon here. Oh. They're just weeping. The merchants who became wealthy by selling her things, her these things will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. They will weep and cry out, "How terrible! How terrible!" For that great city, she was clothed in finest purple and scarlet linens, decked out. Anyway, so in a single moment, her, the wealth of her city is gone. Um. Then verse twenty. Here's where we start. We're turning a corner. Okay. 17 and 18 are are just death and destruction all around, okay? And it's mystical stuff and it's difficult to read, but we're turning a corner here. Starting in verse 20. Rejoice over her fate, O heaven and people of God and apostles and prophets, for at last God has judged her for your sakes. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a huge millstone, he threw it into the ocean and shouted, just like this, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down with violence and will never be found again, okay? Not, basically, at this point, folks, we're told we're in heaven. Remember, we're in heaven. It's time to rejoice. Let the party begin, okay? Let the, par- let the festivities begin we're fixing to wrap this thing up, and so at this point and, and we see remember that in Daniel's vision, uh, there was a stone that was thrown at the foot of the statue. do you remember that? It was the dream and um, so this is this is basically this is what you know when John sees this is what goes through John's mind automatically. here comes that stone, okay that we don't really know where it comes from, but it comes out, and here it's thrown into the sea, and so just like that stone disappears under the water, Babylon disappears. Now, Babylon isn't on the water, okay? It's not like, oh, it's gonna be a great flood that's gonna take, it's not on the water. What it's saying here is that the way that stone disappears in the sea, that's how Babylon will be. It will be, there will be nothing left to be found. This is where Jeremiah's prophecy about Babylon never being rebuilt comes into play. There are people who use that Prophecy from Jeremiah and say, Well, it's already gone, it's not going to be rebuilt. Well, it, it will be rebuilt. Zechariah told us that they're taking the basket to Babylon to rebuild a temple. So they're rebuilding, rebuilding, you know what I mean. So we have to be careful of how we interpret those scriptures. Because if if not, then they don't then then the Bible is full of all these things that disagree with one another. But if they only disagree because we don't pay attention to where they come from, okay? So it, so it's obviously going to be rebuilt again, all right? Zechariah said so. And so therefore, it's gonna be rebuilt, but at this point, it'll be Jeremiah's prophecy where there won't be any remnants left. There won't be any pieces of it left. You know, they have pieces. We talked about this before. They have pieces of old Babylon that they're gonna incorporate into building that new Babylon. Saddam Hussein was trying to do it when he was uh, the big kahuna in Iraq, okay? And so they, they're trying to do these things. So it will be rebuilt. But at this point, this will be it, okay? This earthquake destroys Babylon to the point that there's no little pieces left. There's nobody gonna be selling little rock pieces of Babylon to wear its necklaces, you know? Oh, I got, you know how we come back from Jerusalem with a piece of wood from a tree that was supposedly made in Jerusalem and then somehow sent to China and cut and made into little crosses. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> no, I won't say that. Okay, so be car- just be careful what you believe, people. Okay, <laughs> this is a necklace I got in Jerusalem. It has a sticker on the back that says made in China. All right, <clears throat> the happy voices of brides and grooms will never be heard again. Okay, in your streets flowed the blood of the prophets and of God's holy people and the blood of, People slaughtered all over the world. So we see that this is the destruction of the literal city of Babylon. So when you're looking at these, it gets confusing because they're like Babylon, Babylon, mystery, Babylon. And then it's talking talking about two different things. It goes from talking about the religion of Babylon to these kings and merchants seeing their money going down the drain. Okay. Ah, where are we? Okay. Oh, good. We got time for chapter 19. Look at that. Are we okay? I mean, if you have other questions about that, you can, you can stop me, um, and we'll I'll straighten you out after we're done. All right. <laughs> Chapter nineteen. Um, well, let's look at verses one to ten to start with. After this, I heard what sounded like a vast crowd of heaven shouting, "Praise the Lord! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. His judgments are true and just. He has punished the great prostitute who corrupted the earth." <laughs> Okay, so here's where all this, so here in verse 20 of chapter 18, remember, we are commanded to worship. Oh, I think in my notes, I put that we're commanded three times to worship in the Revelation. The first time is when Satan's cast from heaven. If you guys remember when we talked about that, that fight, remember, and Satan is cast out of heaven because that's where he is now. People don't realize he's in heaven up there accusing the brethren, okay? Because he got in there because Adam and Eve sinned and blah, 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 the second time is when we see the city of Babylon destroyed. We are commanded to worship and to praise, and then we will be uh, commanded again here in chapter nineteen, coming up. But so for the first ten uh, chapters of verse of chapter first ten verses of chapter nineteen, it's basically this is the worship that's going on, the praise that's going on, that's being commanded of us since we've seen the fall of the prostitute of the great prostitute. We see, we see the city of Babylon destroyed. Um, the angel says, okay, go. Michonne says, praise and worship, right? You know what I mean? If the worship, Whoever is worship leading up there is gonna say, you know, stand to your feet. <laughs> it's time. Yeah, that's how we always have to start, stand to your feet. Um, but, you know, I used to tell people when I led worship, okay, y'all can stand to your hands. Uh, if you can't, you can just stand to your feet. <laughs> I had one show off all those times. Stood to his hands. Anyway, okay. Uh, So that's the first 10 verses are just praise and worship in the songs that we're going to be singing, okay? You with me? We're all in white, right? We're all in white. We all have our harps. It says we're all playing harps. And we have beautiful voices, and we're singing. It's going to be awesome. Verse 11, then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Finally! We're finally getting there. A white horse was standing there. Its rider was named faithful and true for the ju- for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war his eyes were like flames of fire on his head were many crowns many crowns okay not seven many crowns not 10 crowns many crowns okay and they were on his head a name was written on him that no one understood except himself he wore a robe dipped in blood and his title was the word of god who are we talking about here who has come to the door Okay, the armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen that 's us I know it 's hard to believe we 're going to fight a war okay we're gonna, best yeah, we 're going to ride horses all right from uh, his the armies of heaven dressed in the finest and pure white linen followed him on white horses. So sorry, those of you who like a palomino or who like a specific type of horse i 've heard people say, "Oh, my horse is going to be like black beauty um, no it 's not." <laughs> Okay, it says that we're all on white horses. Sorry. okay. Um, we're all on white horses, um, and we're following him. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an I- He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God. the Almighty like juice flowing from a wine press. Like on a Lucy, remember Lucy so. Anyway, I think it'll flow a little better, though. On his robe at his thigh was written his title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky. This is so cool. Come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. This is the supper of the great gods, what it's called. It's the supper of the great God, because they're saying to all these vultures and all of these creatures of the air, and you know what vultures live on, right? Roadkill, right? You know, and that's what they live on—is dead stuff. You know, if you see them flying around, you're oh, something's dead. You know, so um, anyway, so they're saying to them, "Come on, <laughs> we got a big feast coming for you." So um, let's see. Da-da-da-da. Uh, come and gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors, of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast. Miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshiped his statue. Both the beasts, we're talking about the Antichrist here, and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse and the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. I think that one of the... Um, one of the Old Testament prophecies is that it takes them, I think, seven months to eat all the dead bodies. See, so they don't even get thrown into the lake of fire, you know? No cremation, no burial, no nothing. You're just chicken feed. You know, you're just vulture chow. So, I mean, this is gonna be it's gonna And it talks about how the odors are going to be and how it's going to be awful. But basically, this happens. And it's not like all the little Christians, like we're going to grab and get off our horses and go bury them all. No, we're leaving them, okay? We're leaving them there. It's the great supper of the, of the Lord. It's the great supper of God. Of the, it's the supper of the great God is what they call it um, in some of the old translations, the supper of the great God. Now, that's a little different from the feasts that we're going to read about um, that's coming up in chapter twenty. Okay, so first we feed the vultures, then we get to have a big marriage feast. That's what we're going to get to in chapter twenty. Um, I want to look at again. This is this is all happening, but it starts. Where am I at here? Oh, well, our praising and worshiping in heaven. Okay, is really this is this is where we worship before we go to down for Armageddon. Okay. Um, you know the, the the word Armageddon is used very seldom. I think it's only used once, actually, in the Bible, and that's in the Old Testament. Um, the New Testament has we have different names for it that we've now translated. We we use Armageddon because because we're slow. Um, so, but basically, Armageddon is a is a place. It's not a it's not like an event. You know there. In the old, in you know, when World War II was going on, there would be like, "Is this Armageddon?" Well, no, it's Germany. You know, <laughs> Armageddon is a place, not an event. Okay, Armageddon is a place. <clears throat> and basically, what happens here as the as the Antichrist is finally getting all of his his huge, he will have a he will have amassed a huge army of people from all over the world, probably. Okay, who have come to fight for him. He knows, he knows where the battle is going to take place. He knows it's in Armageddon. He knows it's, that's the place. So he goes and, he basically goes and waits at this point. He, wait, he knows it's happening, and he goes and waits. He's waiting on Jesus to come back. Um, I, there was a, a, a meme, and I know memes are just memes, but there was one of Opie asking, Paul, Paul, um, do we know when Jesus is coming back? And... Paul says, no, son, no, son, we're just part of the welcoming committee. And I said, you know, not really. <laughs> I, and I responded to it because everybody was like amening it. And, you, know, every, you know, because we know what he means. He's talking, he's talking about the rapture, you know, which is really not Jesus coming, remember? When Jesus comes, I said, I don't know about y'all, but I'm coming with him. So I'm not gonna be welcoming him back, okay? The people who will be here waiting for him, are going to be the Antichrist's armies. They, are wait, they know, and they, he knows when his, he can count to 1260 from the day that he destroys the temple and sets himself up as God. He knows he's got 1260 days until Jesus is coming back. And we can, we, of course, we're going to be up there. We It's not like we know or like we have to know, but we would be able to count those days too, Okay. But we understand, he knows when it's happening. He's waiting there, okay? And then we have um, this this battle. And look, you know, all of the things, all the ways that the battle of Armageddon goes on in our minds, and do you see how many scriptures are attributed to it? Like three, like three verses, period, and it's over because that's how fast it's gonna be. It's just gonna be, and it's over. Come Come get your dinner, You know, come get your dinner, vultures. It's going to be that fast, and it will be over. Um, There are, and I thought this was interesting, there are eight things that happen to us after the rapture. So now I'm taking a break here because next week we're going to do all the good stuff, 2021, 22, all the the fun is next week. But real quick before we go, oh, go go to that next slide, the one that I sent you today, if that's Nate up there. There it is. I need to give credit to where credit is due. I stole this off the internet. Okay, so this belongs, this is created by a guy named Alan Parr, who's on YouTube, does some really good videos. um, If you ever wanna watch, they're usually short. This one was a long one, 15 minutes, which to me isn't long. I've been talking for an hour already. So, but this is, when he says here, remember that that they're thrown, the Antichrist and the false prophet, who remember, they have physical bodies, okay, these are physical beings okay are thrown into the lake of fire and remember we talked before how the bottomless pit i told you had no humans in it because the bottomless pit is only for spiritual beings that's where the demon locusts come from that's where the demon king comes from which is not satan satan is a different you know he's not the demon king there is a king of the demon you know that's a different thing but they're all in that bottomless pit but i just wanted to to look at um So that we kind of understand, and I said last week there's four parts of hell. I tried to make that make sense to me, and it didn't. So there's only three parts. Um, So what we have is in the Old Testament, if I can get my thing to work, in the Old Testament over here on the far top left, how does that work? Far top left, we have Sheol is what it was called in the Old Testament, the old Hebrew word. In the New Testament, it's been translated Hades, okay? So it's translated Hades in the New Testament, But they're both talking about the same place. And basically, this is where they get that there are four, okay? Um, Because this is torments or paradise. There were two places that you went when you die, okay? First of all, your body went to the grave. This is where your soul went, to paradise if you were good, okay? And you went to torments, which was called, this was in Luke chapter 16, this is, <laughs> he calls it the county jail, okay, because you're not staying there forever, but you're there, okay. So see, none of us are in these places forever, and the, but these are the places that many times in the Bible, it'll just say hell, and it's, you've got to figure out which one of them it's talking about, okay, from the, from the context of what it's talking about. For instance, in Luke chapter 16, for paradise, this is where Jesus, um, well, chapter 16, basically all this is the, the Lazarus and the rich man, remember? And most believe that that is not a parable um, because in Jesus' parables, every parable they told, he does not name the person, okay? But in this one, he says it's Lazarus, remember, Lazarus. So and this is not Lazarus come forth, Lazarus. This is the parable. They call it a parable, but it really isn't a parable. It's more of a, a literal illustration. And remember, Lazarus goes to paradise and the rich man goes to torments is basically what it what it comes down to i forget what it calls it in that what he calls it in there he may just say hades okay <clears throat> and then we then god tells them remember he can't go dip his finger in the water for you there's too big a gulf between these two places so there's a huge distance between there so this hades hell which is old testament sheol is a big place okay this is where this is where this is often referred to as Abraham's bosom, the paradise part. Remember, the the, saint, the Old Testament saints went to Abraham's bosom. Okay? In other words, they're just waiting in a nice place for the resurrection to come, basically is what's happening. Now, these guys down here, they're waiting for a resurrection too, but torments is not a good place. Okay? This is where there's uh, gnashing of teeth and all that fun stuff. Okay? They're, it's called torments for a reason because they're tormented, okay, as they wait for their resurrection. Now, <clears throat> there is also a place, he calls it solitary confinement, okay? Um, it's called Tartarus, tar, tar, us, okay? Um, and it, we find that in 2 Peter and in 1 Peter and in Jude, he talks about Tartarus. Tartarus, let me find my, whoop, sorry, I do that every week. Turn my page here, turn my page. Um, here we go. Okay. <clears throat> Tartarus is what we refer to, or is referred to, as the abyss or the bottomless pit, okay? Tartarus is a place that there, where there are no human souls, okay? It's not for humans. Tartarus is a place. This is the place where, remember when the de- legion Said, throw us into the pigs. Don't send us into the abyss. They said, don't send us to Tartarus. Send us into the pigs. You know, and Jesus said, okay, sure, go into the pigs. So, um, but that's, where, that's what Tartarus is. That is that, this is the place. There are no human souls there. This is the place where the demon locusts are, the demon horsemen, the, the demon king, and all this stuff that happens um, throughout the Revelation This is where they're coming from. That's the bottomless pit. Then we have, so basically we have these parts. Then there's also over here, this is prison, okay? This is like, you're not getting out of here. Once you're in the lake of fire, you're not getting out. This is where you are forever. Listen, we're gonna find out next week that there is all kinds of stuff going on uh, not in this place, but basically, if you're in the lake of fire, you're there forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Okay, you're there for good. That's where you're sent. Okay, so <clears throat> that is where um, that's where where the, what happens. Basically, what happens is these folks are waiting for their resurrection, and they will be resurrected to a new paradise. Okay, if now in the now we're talking New Testament, new paradise or what we would call like. Heaven. Okay? When we get raptured, we're going to heaven. We're going to the new paradise. Okay? That's where we're going. When the great throne, white throne judgment happens in Revelation chapter 20, we'll get there to next week. Um, these people are resurrected there, as well as these from Tartarus are sent there. Both of these will be empty. They go to the white throne judgment, and they end up in the lake of fire. So see, it's so, it's. I just find it interesting. I think, you know, when you say, well, Satan was cast into the bottom, or this one was cast into the bottomless pit. This one was cast into the lake of fire. They are different places. We call them all hell. You know, that's just kind of an easy, you know, that's the Sunday school lesson kind of thing. You know, you go to heaven or you go to hell, but sometimes I think God wants us to know a little more about how, when, what's going on. Okay, so that's that's, and this is where he says here, at the end of chapter 19, that the Antichrist and the um, false prophet, where, do, where are they? They're in the lake of fire. He's thrown them into the lake of fire. He's stoking it up over there, getting things stoked up because the big judgment's about to come, and they're going to have a lot of company. They'll get a lot of company when that judgment comes. Hopefully not as much as, I just hope there's not that many that end up there. Okay, and then we, we will move from heaven. Sorry folks, we're going to move. Okay? We're going to the new kingdom. We're going to the new heavens and new earth. We'll talk about that. So those of you who think that we're going to be riding around on those clouds up there just worshiping Jesus all day long, that's not what we're going to be doing. There's going to be work to do. Work. But it's going to be garden work like Adam had to do initially, which was basically walk around, look pretty, talk to the birds. Um, there will be stuff. Because if we're going to rule and rain, you've got to have somebody to rule and reign over, right? Okay, so we've, been, we've gotten all the way through Armageddon, and now it's the good stuff. Next week, we get to learn. Now it's all of a sudden about us again, you know, because now it's, you know, going to be stuff that we are actually going to experience. From chapter 4 to chapter 19 is not even us. It's just kind of like we're watching it all happen from heaven. Quest, any, I've got two minutes. Any questions? Go ahead, oh, the eight things, okay, oh yeah, okay, I skipped over that didn't I these are it, it, these are just like those little things that I think are interesting because now I'm like preparing us for talking about us now, finally, you know, after all this time, to talk about what we're going to be doing, and these are these are the eight things that we see in throughout basically throughout the New Testament, and where did I miss that page? Where is it? Where is it? yeah, this, these are things that are throughout basically the New Testament. It's things that say is going to happen to us when we're in heaven. These are like our activities, okay, as we, as we wait for Armageddon. These are the things that we're going to do. Um, the first thing is we will be presented to God, basically presented to God, the word says. And then as we're presented to him, we'll be declared blameless. It says that we, the righteous, will be declared ra- blameless. Um, and then we know about those mansions, right? We're going to have a mansion. We're going to have a, a nice, well, some say it's a mansion. The real translation is room, which I think there's a difference. <laughs> but um, so we're going to have our own place in heaven. So we will have a place that's been prepared for us. We will worship. We see throughout, um, starting in chapter 4, we see um, that worship that's taking place in the throne room, Remember? Um, We will then have the marriage supper, which we're gonna talk about next week. Um, Basically, well, the marriage supper, I should have flipped those around. Prepare for Armageddon should have been before marriage supper, okay? So we will prepare for Armageddon, you know, learn to ride the horse, um, you know, (laughs) to do whatever we have to do, whatever we're gonna be doing. Just follow the guy in front, you know. Um, So... Um, Then we will have the marriage supper of the Lamb. We'll talk about that next week. We will, at that point, be the actual bride of Christ. We are not the bride of Christ today. We are just a part of the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ on earth. We're not the bride of Christ yet, but we're preparing to be the bride of Christ. So we'll have that marriage supper. Then we will be settled into the new Jerusalem. That's going to be a 1,000 years later. Okay. And they're, they're basically at that point, it'll be routine living. It's going to be routine living. It's going to be back. Remember we talked a few weeks ago about going from perfection to perfection. And that's basically what we're seeing here is the big perfection circle taking place. Things were perfect. Things got awful. Now through the revelation and the, the war and the, all that stuff, it's coming back to perfection again. So, yes, we will have stuff to do. We will have, we will have, there will be people on earth while we're in the new Jerusalem who are repopulating the earth. They still have their physical bodies. Guess what? They will have their physical bodies forever and ever and ever because they missed the resurrection, okay? They, so, see, there's things, there's ways that this is gonna. I mean, and it's hard to think about because we really can't, you know, get it all right. But there will be people all of, all through this, all through the seven years and on beyond. That thousand year. How do you have a millennial kingdom if you're reigning and you're not reigning over anything, right? During that thousand years, it, you know, when we put all the Old Testament descriptions that now we know have to do with a thousand year millennial reign, um, and then. We, we combine, we put them together. We find out that there are still people. There are people too that we will be reigning over, okay? However, during that thousand years, fire for a thousand years, he, he's, he's, he's gone. He's, no, he's in the bottomless pit. Satan's in the bottomless pit, okay? Satan's in the bottomless pit because that's where spiritual beings go, okay? So Satan's in the bottomless pit. That's where he was thrown. The Antichrist and the, the false prophet are thrown to the lake of fire. That's where physical stuff goes, so <clears throat> Satan is, is, is bound up and he's in the bottomless pit. So there's no tempter for those 1,000 years. So if you are, listen, during that 1,000 years, if you sin, guess what happens? You die. You sin, you die. But guess what? When the tempter's gone, if you can sin without being tempted, <laughs> you one bad person. You know what I mean? So it's not like there's going to be, you know, they're not going to be populating hell at that point. Um, but during that, during that millennial reign, you know, but we will judge. It says we'll judge people. We'll, we'll have judge. Well, there will be disagreements people have. They'll bring their disagreements to us. We will judge their disagreements, okay? And I don't know if you'll be sitting on a bench or if it'll just be that we're wandering about and they come and say, oh, there's one of the ones dressed in white. Ask him how this should go. You know what I mean? So there's going to be a lot going on other than just sitting at the feet of Jesus and worshiping him. And I know that many of you are thinking, I just want to worship Jesus 24 hours a day. It's all I want to do, just worship Jesus, worship Jesus. That's nice, but he's got stuff for you to do. <laughs> he's got stuff for you to do. Now and then, there'll be stuff to do. So it's not, it's not sometimes the Sunday school picture that we draw <laughs> You know, and sometimes we get stuck in that Sunday school education, you know. I loved Sunday school. I mean, I'm not, I am not i don't despise Sunday school. But, you know, at some point you got to get past Zacchaeus was well, a wee little man, the wee little man was he, and understand who Zacchaeus was and why this happened and what, you know what I mean, and what that means for eternity, what it meant for them and what it means for eternity, you know. I just, I thought one day about how when, when uh paul said to love your husband, love your wives as Christ loves the church, can you imagine how foreign that was to that society? Wait you mean that woman who bears my children and cooks my meals and sweeps a, sweeps a ten out um, what be willing to die for her <laughs> you know how rad, nowadays we're like that 's right, me too you know you know what i mean it 's all about women and their women power and women this and Women, that, and equal wages, and blah, blah, blah. But in their day, to hear Paul say, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her, that was astounding to them. They were like, he crazy. She just, you mean that woman? She did, my parents picked her. You know? (laughs) You know? (laughs) I didn't even pick her. He wants me to die for her. But, okay, all right, enough of that, enough of my, all right, anyway, so that's how my mind works, anyway, um, well, thank you, I can't believe this many of you are still coming, we we won't, Um, understand this, we're just scratching the surface, okay, okay, to cover this in six weeks. There is so much. And that's what I struggle with every week. It's like, no, no, don't go there. No, don't, oh, don't try to go there because that's, you know what I mean? And, but we are just scratching the surface. Please, please dig in and find your own research, but be careful what you read on the internet. <clears throat> Which, I mean, I know that's where I got my research too, but research your research that you researched on the internet. You know what I mean? Make sure that you're following something And I know that many of you may have uh, have Googled um, Finnis Dake, who I, of course, take this, uh, most of this belief from, although he does not believe in some of the things that are, you know, he believes differently than me on some things. But many of the things that I take, the majority of this I take from him, I would not um, espouse or what's the word? I would not necessarily listen to. Um, or put a lot of faith in some of his other doctrines, which is what you will read about on the internet. He has some some different ideas, um, which may or may not be right, but um, they are challenging to Christianity as we know it. The Trinity is this big one that you'll see. He he believes differently about the Trinity uh, than than we believe. Not a whole lot different, just a little bit, but it's that's that starts a whole. A, a, Thing that unravels, but when it comes to revelation, no one has studied revelation in our time, you know, even though it was 100 years ago, in our time, like Finnish studied revelation and backed every bit of it up with scripture. So, um, just be careful what, like I said, be careful what you read, you know. So, but, um, but there, but please read, go find, go research things, look deeper. Let's pray. Father, thank you once again. Lord, I thank you for each of these people who've come out on a Wednesday night because they understand that you said in your word that we need to understand and hear this revelation. And Father, as limited as our mental capacities are, Father, I thank you that you've given us enough to understand that we have a bright future. And that there are some horrible things that are going to happen, but we thank you that by the, because of the blood of Jesus, we will not have to experience those things. Those of us, Lord, that have loved ones and friends that are not saved, I pray that you would uh, put it on our hearts to to do what we can to see that those things happen, to witness the way that we should witness and to be uh, be the, the light for Jesus that we should be in this day that we could take as many with us as we can when you Take your church home. In Jesus' name, amen.